Hello and welcome to the Cynic Weekly. I am your host, Lou McCaffrey, and you know this this podcast used to be called um, or used to be about hair and, and biscuits. Um, if we're going to go back to that, Paul Car- Paul Carlin would have to be the hair. Paul, how are you? Good, mate. Thanks for your comments. Um, I'm actually getting my hair cut next week. Uh, so, how uh, much pain? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Tory prices. Um, you, you know. We'll, we'll we'll get to that later. Um, if if Paul's the the hair, then uh, Samani would have to be the biscuits. How's it How's it going, Samani? It was going all right. Uh, I got that comment. Although you can, <laughs> you can you can maybe make up what type of biscuit. Uh, custard cream for me because I like to split it and lick the the, the filling, and that's what I'd like to do to you. Great. Nice one. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And uh, someone who's a bit of both, he's got a stunning hair and he's delicious. It's Stuart Duggan. Find yourself a man that can do both. That's exactly right. Hearing biscuits, reporting for duty. Absolutely. Um, so we're, you know, we're going to get right into it. Um, Dundee United at the weekend. We were back um, after Bollygate, back into league action at the weekend. Um, we were away at Dundee United. It wasn't the greatest of games, not possibly not the greatest of performances, although we'll, we'll see what um, the panel thinks. But we did win. We got an all-important goal from uh, Albina Jetty on his, well, not his, was that his debut? Was that his first game? League, league yeah. debut. League debut. Um, <laughs> so he came on off, uh, came on off the bench to, to get his a, a kind of vital, vital goal in the latter stages. Um, before we kind of get into our, our thoughts on the performance, just very quickly, the, the starting lineup. Obviously, before the game, there was you know massive calls from I think all, probably all of us on this panel um, were clamouring for Olivier and Cham to start, and he finally did make his start. Although um, he, he didn't start in place of a Christie or in. in in place of a Brown. Instead, we kind of shuffled the lineup and, and Forrest was the one to drop out. Christie went out wide um, and made a midfield three of Brown and Cham and, and McGregor. Um, f- first off, uh, you know, what did you think when you saw that? And then how did you think it, it, it worked out in the game? Personally, I was, I wasn't too worried about it. We've seen Christie play out wide before. So, when I first saw it, I thought, right, okay, fair enough. You know, they, they'll all bring something to the table here. I, I think in general, I just expected a better performance than what we got. Over a piece, obviously, means so many are the, the, the kind of reaction uh, people for the, the away games, and we spoke at length about it. I didn't think Incham was very good, to be honest. I didn't think he grabbed his opportunity, but the system looked kind of dysfunctional. What were your thoughts when you saw it, Stuart? Um, I was surprised first and foremost that it was Forrest that that stepped out. <clears throat> Although I did kind of, there, there was rumours swirling that Encham was going to start, and I kind of predicted that, you know, maybe that would be the curveball. It's weird that, uh, I mean, I think that we've been talking about it quite a lot. Uh, that in terms of the start of the season, Ryan Christie has proven to be a very frustrating character, and of all the people to drop out the team, I'm surprised that he's still not top of the list. Um, so I was surprised by that, but obviously pleased to see Encham playing. The other strange one, which there hasn't really been a huge amount said from the club, I believe, 
um, is obviously Ayer not starting and Beaton starting in his place. So that's kind of got a few tongues wagging about potential transfers. I mean, if there's not been any chat of injury, it feels like, I know we're really early in the season, but Dundee United away is a very important game, especially in the context of us having these uh, lack of games uh, or games to make up. So it's strange that you wouldn't play your first choice centre-half pairing and getting minutes in the legs seems like something that he achieved by playing him midweek uh, against Reykjavik. So slightly strange. In general, I thought it was quite a disjointed performance and it was quite a frustrating performance. But something that I wanted to bring up, um, I wonder if we are perhaps ju- just judging these performances a little bit more harshly because of the the level of emotional investment that we all have. I'm not for a second making excuses or suggesting that it was a good performance. I don't think it was, especially by the standards that the team has set for itself. But I just wonder if a, if a neutral watching that is is looking at it going, fucking hell, Celtic are knocking on the door. Like Surely this goal is going to come and expecting a goal, whereas we're all watching it thinking the worst that we could play all day and not score. Um, so just a, an alternative viewpoint. I don't know how anyone feels about that. It's it's frustrating. Um, it, I was happy to see Cham in the starting lineup because I think he he deserved a shot. Um, but frustrated to see Christie playing out on the right. I don't think we get the best of him. I know. I imagine that Lennon's idea is probably for him to cut in off the left and take loads of shots, which I guess he did. But um, the success of those shots was there for all to see. Um, and I know his, his his shot did lead to the goal eventually, but um, it it just didn't feel. <clears throat> Just with that, with, when you're playing a team like that that are going to defend, I know Dundee United are a bit more attacking, a bit more creative than a lot of the other teams in the league, but you do expect these teams to sit in, especially at home. So there's just not a lot of space um, for guys like Christie to, to kind of move about. So, yeah, the kind of idea of cutting in him and Eli Unice on both sides didn't really fill me with much joy. But tell you something, see now like the dust has settled. So we're recording this on, this is Tuesday. But at the end of the season, we'll look back on this game and we might not even remember it. And the important thing is that we got the win. And the fact that our new boy scored as well, that's great. I, I was really, really happy to see that. Um, not so happy about seeing James Forrest playing as a left wing back, though. I think that's insanity. I think, uh, I mean, <clears throat> we obviously talked about this on the reaction. I think I think the switch for Forrest for Encham really unbalanced the side. So I think that was, I think that was quite apparent. Uh, in terms of a play uh, going forward. So that was first, what was first frustrating for me. And going back to Stu's point, um, whether or not a neutral would have looked at that in a different way, maybe that might be the case. I also think we are a bit guilty of um, maybe forgetting the the break that we had because of the bowling situation. And we're maybe not as sharp as, as we would be if we had got those other couple of games under our belt. So as much as it was a stilted performance and we huffed and puffed, we did get there in the end, um, and I think there is a wee context around it. As I said in the reaction, if if that was four or five games in, we turned that performance on, you might be a wee bit more worried. But I would be prepared because of the circumstances around uh, the club to give us the benefit of the doubt. Um, the performance, the performance overall. I, I get what you're saying, Stuart, about you know maybe. Just because of the season that it is, it is going to distort every game. It's going to distort your perceptions of maybe individuals' performances as well. I think maybe as fans, we're guilty sometimes of expecting players to perform to their absolute best every single game, which is just not going to happen. 
Um, I, I do personally think um, the kind of abuse, not abuse, but the criticism that's came Christie's way has maybe been a wee bit harsh. I think obviously he's got flaws and he's, he's not playing to his absolute best. But I don't know. I think certain people forget very easily the quality that he has contributed in the past. And there's no doubt that he'll get back to that. He just, he's going through a bit of a kind of rubbish spell now, but he'll get there. Um, and I certainly think he's a key part of the squad. You could say that about Scott Brown, but you won't because uh, Christie's one of your wee favourites. Well, I think yeah. he's had a, he's had a longer decline, has he not? In your eyes, and you he, don't think you don't think up, he has? He set up the goal. Oh, for fuck's sake! He was completely oh, instrumental in the goal. He <laughs> couldn't stop. He couldn't stop moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was, his feet were just running away from him. I think there is questions to be asked about how long Brown can go on, but you've just talked about people have got short memories about what players have contributed to the team in the squad. Scott Brown fits into that category. So be fair, Louis. Be fair. The, the thing that um, I commented on during the game, Celtic, I thought were rubbish, uh, especially in the first half, but it was a different type of rubbish from the Kilmarnock game, where the, the Kilmarnock game, it was really frustrating because Celtic were really pedestrian and they were moving the ball really slowly. Uh, and the Dundee United game was sort of like being rubbish at a slightly faster tempo, where it wasn't the lack of you know, effort or or the pace at which they were playing. It was just really inaccurate and maybe not the best of decision makings. I think that's why Christie came under a lot of a lot of criticism because the decision making's been quite poor. Uh, so that maybe does point to the fact that maybe it is just match sharpness and that that will kind of even itself out or iron itself out. I think that in general though, <clears throat> as Paul says, these away victories more than anything are just so crucial uh, even just now because you saw that realistically you could watch the Rangers Kilmarnock game and they weren't very good and you're kind of thinking oh I wonder if they'll drop points but they're realistically not going to drop many points at Ibrooks, especially now that they've had the pitch sort of sorted and realistically I, I wouldn't imagine Celtic would drop a tremendous amount of points at home either so these away games just getting the result first and foremost is is important and I would be more worried if it was closer to the Kilmarnock performance where we weren't creating chances but you know Eddie hits the post he hits the bar we had five or six really good chances their keeper makes a couple of really excellent saves and I'm not highlighting that to diminish the fact that there was deficiencies in the performance but just that it, it, it's it's an improvement or it's, it's certainly different if not an improvement I also thought they were alright by the way United mm. I thought they looked decent you know for this stage of the season for a team that's just come up from the first division so um, I think by the end of the season we'll be quite happy with those three points yeah, I think I think you've got to you know you've got to give them a bit of respect because you know at the end of the day we're all Scottish football fans and, and we want to talk up the game and I think the likes as you say Paul Dundee United coming up you know in fairness the last few years you know not always but there has been teams have came up fair enough the likes of Hearts with a bigger budget and things like that usually the first season they come up teams do quite well and and they manage to to, to get plenty of points as whether they can sustain it. And that'll be what it is for Dundee United, I guess. Will they still be in the Premiership in three, four years' time? But it's good. I, I thought it was. I thought it was a really good game. And I said on the reaction, you know, I thought Dundee United 
you know, they didn't do a Livingston. It was a totally different game to that. It wasn't just sitting in, in camp. I mean, they, they did when, when they had to, but they were a threat and they pressed us and there was a, you know, there was a, a proper intensity to their play, which I thought was, it was refreshing. And maybe this, I don't know, you, you can shoot this down some, Annie, because I'm sure you will anyway. But, you know, we don't necessarily usually want you know, we, we do like a bit of a challenge when, when we come up against teams. You don't always want to win 7-8-0. If we could this season, for one season, then aye, okay. But it's good to have a challenge, you know, out with maybe Rangers. Yeah, I know what you mean. Obviously, if it was one each or nothing each, you would be shot down for that. So I understand yeah. if we're talking about the overall quality of the league. Um I think we do need to give some credit to Dundee United. I thought they pressed us really, really well in that game. I think the intensity with which they, they pressed us, they, that kind of fell away after a wee while. At that point, I thought we would take advantage, but we didn't really. They kind of defended really quite resolutely. They had the the boy, I can't remember his name, maybe somebody can fill in the 17-year-old playing for them. Um, oh, no, sorry. Gal, you? Oh, uh, Bolton. Is that the boy they got for Man City? No, he's he's a winger, is he not? There was the the, the boy that was playing at the back. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I thought he was really quite impressive. Um, Gal's going to Google Re- Reynolds. Hey, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we just throw out? Uh, I gave you a name there, so Manny, just take it and go with Magl- it. McGlumfer. McGlumfer. Yeah, I was going to say Chopper McGlumfer, was it? <laughs> well, they did have a player called like Tam Chopper, did they not? Oh no, that was Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> no, <that> was- <laughs> Reynolds. <laughs> played beyond these years I've got to say um, but I suppose the overall point is that you know as, again when we were figured out by some teams under the, in the rat era it was when we were pressed with intensity and, and I think we saw that early from Dundee United and we, we weren't particularly good at coping with even when that tired they tired of that and they, they kind of sat back a wee bit further I still thought they were quite resolute they didn't offer much in an attacking threat again he's saying Nielsen there you go Um was Nielsen was the wee guy. Very respectful. Um, I can't remember what I was going to say now. I don't think they offered much in an attacking threat, and I said this in the reaction, I've said it before. I still don't know if Barkas is, is a good keeper. I mean, he does. he's done everything he needs to do well so far. His handling's pretty good. Um, you know, he's, he's good. He can move the ball off quick, but he's not dealt with a serious shot in the entire uh, time he's been here. Um, so that says a lot about their attacking prowess. But overall, as a unit, you need to give them credit. Um, the, we've kind of debated it. We debated it on the reaction and we've spoke about it on the Civic Weekly a couple of times. Um, 3-5-2, Do we have to make a decision now? It seems like we're kind of chopping and changing almost every game uh, at the moment. Ajeti came on, obviously scored the winner and I'd like to hear what people thought of, of him when he came on, but you know, if if he's fit enough, or even if he's not fit enough, should we just should we be moving to three five two and playing Clamala up front with Eddie? Just get you know what is more important at this point because we seem there seems to be a lot of chopping and changing. Do we need to you know what comes first? Do you think the formation comes first, or do the players come first? Well, the goal was essentially born out of playing a three five two, not necessarily in terms of hitting the byline and getting balls into the box. But just the fact that, you know, it was a a second striker goes and keeps the ball alive and Ayeti doing the little back header thing was fantastic to see. And then 
Uh, fortunately, you know, Odson Edward hears Scott Brown shout to pass. Uh, otherwise, he was he was getting getting murdered when he got back in. Uh, and then I, it's like a bit of a scrapper's goal, and that that's kind of born out of having two up top. So I think that there's there's benefits. I I think that when you're talking about, do you need to decide? Do you need to settle on one or the other? I don't think he does need to settle on one or the other. Um, but it's pleasing to see that they can swap between them quite quickly. If, as it's quite a, uh, an obvious plan B. Just the way he's talking about some of the recruitment, I know we're going to come on to talk about that, it does still signify that he wants to play with two up top or or at least you know bring in another centre half and stuff like that. So I think that that is maybe the way it's moving. And I guess that maybe you would like to see that um, so that we can maybe avoid some of these more stunted performances. Um, what was disappointing on Saturday, I think we should have brought on Elianusi at some point. Um, I think he could have made a difference, but um, unfortunately, that's, that's shady. Stuart. <laughs> that's really that's, shady. That's you've taken a leaf right out of the host's book there. No, it's snidey about certain players. You know, that, you, that, that was nothing to do with me, and you had to bring me in it. Exactly. <laughs> but see, if you come into King, see, I was it was leading into a compliment. If you come into King, Stu, you best not miss because you've got a long way to go to compete with this man's snidiness. This is true. Uh, I, I say that in jest just purely because uh, there's been a few folk calling me out from uh, LNUC uh, schneidiness, as, as you rightly have just there. Who, uh, he was very, very, very good against Reykjavik, but again, I just thought it was a bit disappointing at the weekend. So I was merely just underlining my point. That I was, I was, I was, I was right about his inconsistency and I hope that we can get more performances out of him akin to Reykjavik than akin to Dundee United. I think though that does depend on the formation. I think I think a four two three one or four three three, whatever you want to call it, works well at home um, against we we teams or teams like Reykjavik. And I suspect actually it might it might start that way tomorrow. But three five two in those other pitches like Kilmarnock and uh, Tanadice, it just feels like the obvious way to start the game. You know, start with two up top. Um, you know, we saw last season how certain players flourished. You know, like Cham was. Dynamite towards the end of the season. French Eddie, dynamite towards the end of the season. Um, again, it does the sort of left wing back thing is still a problem, and I'm not going to shite on Greg Taylor. I think I think Greg Taylor is going to going to become a decent player, but I would be I would be starting three five two in away games, no matter what opposition. I think at this stage in the season. Um, but I would I would play a Yeti ahead of Klamala. I think I know a Yeti's maybe not match fit, but. Um, Klamala still, I think, just still climbing that ladder. I think a Yeti's a few rungs up um, in terms of skill and ability. I would agree with that. Just a quick point on Klamala. <clears throat> I think that see if his role in the team is going to be coming on for the last 20, 15 minutes or whatever. The the work rate that he gives you has been excellent and it's pleasing to see that even with another striker coming in and maybe he's, he's, he's aware that he's dropped one down the pecking order that he's still really committed and, and still giving you a lot and that was really evident in those last 10 minutes because I don't think you were really worried about Dundee United scoring necessarily you kind of thought that maybe it was just going to be a one goal game but every time he got the ball he was he was trying to either run it into the corner or trying to do something with it and I think that's pleasing whether or not you get that out of him if you start I don't know but just wanted to say I think he's still doing pretty well yeah and seeing the three five two, I think I said this uh, as well after the game on um Sunday, it just it does seem obvious, and I'm sure some of the stats guys in the cynical point out. Well, you know, it doesn't work this way or something like that. That was me. Who's that? An impression of? 
Uh, that was an amalgam of Christian, Alan, and one of the others. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't Dutch enough for Christian. Well, that's why it was an amalgam. I toned it down a wee bit, but there was a hint there when you listen back. But you know, in all seriousness, it, it just seemed obvious to me, and, and the fact that the goal came from a Yeti coming on and there being two up front, um, and the fact that we played our best football when we played three five two last season makes me concur with, with, with Paul. I would play it especially away from home uh, on a regular basis. On Klamala as well, I think he's young. I think he's got a future with us, I would say, and yet he's ahead of him with Eddie, and that would be the front, uh, the first-choice pairing. But he looks like a guy who you could bring on and will run tired legs, you know, ragged, because he's, he seems as if he's got that pace and that work rate. And that's something that will buy you a lot of uh, credit with fans, even if you're maybe not scoring, if you're not coming on. See, if you're running like that towards the end of the game, people will look at that as a positive. It was um, listen. It was it was a valuable, obviously a very valuable three points, and and I, I do think that it's you know it's going to be a difficult place for teams to go this season. I don't I don't think there'll be many teams going up there and, and having a comfortable kind of afternoon. So um, they they could be valuable as as the season goes on. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get into transfer news over the past twenty four hours. I mean, yesterday was I mean every hour there was a different player getting practically confirmed. Um, there was a press conference at Celtic Park today and uh, this is what Neil Lennon had to say about current transfer speculation. As far as I know, but uh, I've no idea how how far or how, how close anything is you know, going to be confirmed. Um, yeah, I've been just totally concentrating on obviously Dundee United on Saturday and then you know, this game that lies ahead for us tomorrow night is so important that, um, you know, I can't have too many distractions elsewhere. Is that the same for Aaron Hickey? It's the same for Ronaldo, it's the same for Messi. You know, I've asked you, or, you know, before, just, you know, stop throwing names at me because, you know, I'm going to, you know, just keep batting off the, the questions, really, because it's not our policy and it's not principled to be talking about speculation. I do take the point, but it seems that things are moving quite well. You know, the, you know, you know more about it than me. So obviously, I think it was first put to him about um, Turnbull, David Turnbull. We've been it looks as if um, David Turnbull is going to be signing this week. We've also been linked with Aaron Hickey. Um, I think it came out last night that Celtic were now in pole position to sign Aaron Hickey, although. I think this morning it was kind of denied by a journalist saying that um, he'd spoke to Hearts and Hearts had denied that there'd been a, a fresh bid by Celtic to sign him. Um, we had Shane Duffy getting on a plane, taking a picture, his brother um, putting up a Celtic badge on his uh, Instagram story, making everybody think that Shane Duffy was coming to Celtic when in fact he was just going to St Andrews with Brighton. Um We've been linked with uh, Young Raquelme, as I'm going to call him. I used to call Tierney Young Tierney. Uh, young Raquelme at uh, Atletico Madrid, who's a, who is a winger, I believe. Um, and then we've been linked today with Yukuban, Caleb Yukuban, from, I think he plays in Turkey. Apparently we were bidding, we had had a 7.5 million euro bid um, accepted for him, that's subsequently been denied. And then uh, the last one to come out tonight is uh, Noah Lang, who is a winger from Ajax. I, I think he's tw- 
21, possibly. Um, we seem to be linked to like, hundreds of players and, and loads of them apparently were very, very close to signing and all this sort of stuff. Before we get to specific players, in general, how do you feel about it? I know, I, I, I used to speculate when we were going for the 10, maybe when we were around about six or seven, um, maybe even earlier, that we probably wouldn't spend much money in, in the years until we got to the 10th season. And then I hoped at that point that we would we would really invest and in, in try and blow Rangers out of the water, whatever state they were in at the time, that, you know, we would store up our, our reserves and... And go for it, and 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 put a big cash injection into the team to to guarantee the ten. I think if that is going to happen, and we like we've we've spent a fair bit of money already. If we are going to spend even more money, I'm just really worried that someone big's going to leave, and that someone big is going to be Eddie. Is that being too cynical, or could it be that maybe maybe Peter Law is really speculating to accumulate? I think you can summed up what a lot of us are like and a lot of Celtic fans are like. We'd complain if we were being linked with nobody. And then when we're linked with just about every player in Europe, we go, oh, that must mean that we're selling one of our big players. So I don't disagree because I'm the same. Um, what I will say is I think Eddie staying might hinge on Europe. I've got a feel. I, I, I just thought he would stay. I just had that in my head. And more recently, I've thought, see when you've seen his reaction after the Cluj game and the Copenhagen game last season, that's a guy who wants to be playing at that level. He wants to be playing in Europe. Now, obviously, he's going to go to a bigger league. Um, that's that, that, that's We know that's going to happen. Um, but when you see a guy like Tierney leaving before the 10, uh, you know, born and raised Celtic diehard. Right, yeah. watch. No, no, no. no. The fact, the idea that somebody like Eddie is going to stay for the ten because of his connection with the club, it's blown out of the water. Now, I'm, I'm not saying he is going to go. I've just got a feeling when you see how because he, he's such a laid back guy. Normally, you see him and you know you see the emotion in him when we get put out, and it just looked as if it meant a lot to him to be playing at that level. And if we don't make it there, that might sway his decision. Bearing in mind. The window's open to the end of October. So that's my worry. My worry about it is that if we don't step up to the mark tomorrow night and subsequently, we might find that he's saying, look, I want to go and that'll fund the 44 players that we've been linked to so far. I completely agree. I think um, I've kind of said it a couple of times just with regards to, I mean, I think if there's only one thing you win this season, you want it to be the league, you want 10 in a row, but I don't think you can discount the importance of the the Champions League qualifying for that very reason that it's really clear that that's where he wants to be playing and also where he should be playing ultimately. That's why I don't worry so much about these teams like Aston Villa and Newcastle, blah, 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 getting linked with them because ultimately they can't really offer what Celtic can offer out with the finances. And I know that that's obviously a massive thing, but if you're able to play to 60... Pandemic, eh? Uh, if you can be part of a massive club like Celtic, that will very soon have sixty thousand people back in the stadium, hopefully safely. Uh, and if you can offer them Champions League football, then an Aston Villa or a Newcastle can't compete with that. If, however, you're saying that you're not going to have Champions League football this season, uh, and if you want to go and play for a team that you 
will have Champions League football with season after season. Maybe you need to put yourself in the shop window. Maybe you need to go to England. And if you can do it making 50, 60 grand a week, then that's a lot more appealing. So I think that that is a big concern. Right with that, though, I think if, if Celtic get Champions League, I think Edward will stay. I don't think he's making any moves or any motions that he wants wants to leave. I don't think it's like a Morelos thing where he's, he's time at the club's up. I do worry about, you know, an Encham or an Ayer, especially with what's happening with Ayer where he's not starting. I think tomorrow will be quite telling. If Ayer's not playing, then I would put a wee, wee red alert on that. I think Ayer might be the one to go. I don't think it will be Franchetti or Encham. Um, it's not that I want Ayer to go either. I would like to keep a hold of all their players. Um, he's, he's, think- he, he's been linked He's been linked to a move to Liverpool. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, that's nonsense. Um, that's never going to happen. Because uh, he's fucking shit. Because right? he's, he's shit. No, Paul. He's no shit, Louis. He's he no is. Shit. That's why he's not playing. Because Beaton's better. <laughs> <laughs> See, the level that I need to aspire to is that what yeah, you're saying? You just got. It's having the confidence Absolutely. to just come out, come out with that, and just completely one hundred percent believe in what you're saying. Um, now, I know this doesn't seem. This is very off-brand for the Celtic board, but. Is there a possibility that we've been linked with all these players and we might actually be signing more players than we might expect? Because at the end of this season, we might be losing some key long-term players, such as McGregor, um, Brown will make kind of hang up his boots. No, nah, Br- nah, Brown will keep playing. He's the best. He, he <laughs> deserves to. He's done wonders in the past. Slip, <laughs> slip. Well, in, in many ways, yeah, the money that you spend now, if you presume that you're going to win 10 in a row and maybe qualify for the Champions League next season, if you were to say, for example, nobody leaves and then next season you sell Edward and Cham, Cal McGregor and Chris Ayer and, I don't know, maybe a Chris there, throw someone else in for whatever argument's sake. Just to decimate your team, shut. But, but I mean that. Like I think yeah. that after 10 in a row, there's going to be a logical changing of the guard of sorts and maybe if a Callum McGregor wants to go and try his hand in the Premiership he might take that opportunity then but Callum McGregor's not going to be going for anything less than £20 million either at that point I don't think uh, and neither's in Cham Edward you could be paying funny money for so it could be that there's a, an absolutely ma- monstrous windfall of transfer fees coming next season um, but it's not it's not the worst way to look at it Paul theoretically possible that the club have promised these guys they can go at the, the end of the season so I mean I, well, you're not you're not going to spend that, all that money without the guarantee that other teams are going to pay top dollar and take them away surely Peter Lowell's know that kind of guy or is he just being heavy sound <laughs> I mean he might could, could that be what it is Paul is, it, is, is Peter Lowell just being sound and going do you know what everybody hates me I owe it to them let's just spunk all the money Listen, Louis, a lot of folk through this pandemic have done a bit of soul searching and they've maybe discovered things about themselves that they didn't know. So your your theory could be correct. Maybe he was visited by three spirits and uh, <laughs> he's, he's, it's not too late to win 10 in a row. Because <laughs> I was in Gumtree earlier on and there was a heated driveway up for sale. So that, <laughs> that, 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 it's not even a transfer kit, it's a war chest. That we've got. <laughs> so, I think you're onto something there, mate. Um, the the Turnbull one looks like the one that's that's closest and, and probably the most reliable. Um, I'd be happy with Turnbull. I, personally, I'm delighted. I really really wanted us to sign Turnbull. I, I thought it kind of came out as kind of 
to a certain extent came kind of came out of nowhere. Suddenly we're doing it this week, you know. Um, but he has been playing very well in the, the last couple of games for Motherwell, despite them their form being patchy. But I think he stood out that sore form really. Um, so I think it's great. I think there's obviously a lot of people which I, I find personally really annoying the fact that it's oh Turnbull's going to replace Tam or Turnbull's going to replace in Cham or you know. I think that's kind of disrespectful. Turnbull, Turnbull's not coming in to do anybody else's job. He's coming in because he's he's probably the best young player in the league, and you know we sh- that's the type of player that we should be going after. He comes in regardless of anybody else leaving or regardless of anybody else who's at the club. He's coming in. He'll be signing a you know four probably a four year deal and. You know he's going to get his time. I I don't expect him to to do a sorrow, and, and we hardly see him. I think he'll he'll contribute and he'll, he'll he'll play games this season because we've got a hell of a lot of games and we're playing you know practically twice a week for for ages. Um, so I think Turnbull the Turnbull deal for me is is a great one, and if we're getting them for about maybe about three million, which would be maybe slightly less than what we'd agreed last year, fantastic. Ah, yeah, it is. Um, I, I I watched quite a lot of Turnbull when his breakout season for Motherwell, and I just thought he just looked like he's got potential to go really far. Um, a different kind of player to what we have at Celtic right now as well. I know we've got a lot of players that can play as attacking mids, but Turnbull's got he can play with both feet. He's, he's very energetic. He, he he kind of he takes the best things of like Christie and Cham, Logic. But is still uh, different Arm, from Armstrong. That. I think there's a well, lot of Armstrong. That's sort of bursting forward, box to box thing. He's definitely good at that. Um, I am. I'm delighted. I, I really hope this is going to be confirmed this week. Um, he's easily the best player in the league outside of Celtic. And the thing as well is, I mean, people are talking. You're, you're right. People are talking about replacing certain players. See the fact we're talking about Brown's form. The fact we're talking about how um, he's not hit the heights this season he's not been particularly good and how Christie has given you work rate but not much else end product that highlights we need a bit of help in there um, it's not the idea that it's, it's it, you've got three from four and then if you're talking about two of them who haven't hit the heights so far this season albeit as early a guy like Turnbull is only going to add to that it's, he's, he's only sorry he's not going to add to not playing well he's only going to add to their choices in there in a position whereby at this stage we could do a wee injection, you know, of of, of ability. So I, I'm the same as you guys. I think he, he would be a terrific sign, and I'm, I'm really keen to get this one over the line. It's also positive, not only in terms of timing, whereby you know you're hopefully going to sign him before we have to play against him at the weekend, and before he plays in the Europa League, so that if God forbid we end up in Europa League, there's no issue with being cup tied or anything like that. Um, and also Robertson and Henderson apparently going the other way in terms of a loan deal when there's a lot of uncertainty about the development squad it's good to see that you'll have players hopefully getting first team football in the league um, where they, that that those minutes will really benefit them when we can't offer them that Yeah, I think I, I think that'd be great I'd love to see Robertson go to Motherwell and, and stake a claim in that midfield because there's there's some really good midfielders in there that I think he could he could learn a lot from. Uh, Aaron Hickey, I, I think another one who I think gets a wee bit of a raw deal. I, I don't think Aaron Hickey would be coming in and you'd suddenly be placing, you know, I, I don't think he'd come in and he would immediately be a, a, a starter. 
Um, I would hope not. But I think as a player, again, who's going to be here for the next four or five years, who will develop with Celtic and then become the first choice left back without the pressure on him right now, I think it's a great deal. I mean, if, if Bayern Munich are looking at him and inviting him over, then there's definitely a player there. What he what he probably needs is a club that are going to give him time and be patient with him. Okay, we need a first choice left back right now. I, I wouldn't like him to be it necessarily because I think it would hinder him. But see if that's not the that's not the plan for Alan Hickey. If Alan Hickey is here to learn and, and develop a bit of a project player, again, I think it's a great sign. If the price is right, and I imagine it will be, it's quite low risk, probably. Um, I think, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of us across the cynic have said that we're not being dead impressed by him. Um, the the kid's still young. He, I should say, Louis, he's a teenager. Bayern, yeah, if Bayern are sniffing around, there must be something there. Um, I'm cool with us taking a chance on him, but I certainly don't think he's going to walk into the team. I'd, I mean, I'd, I'd imagine we would still be looking to sign a first-choice left-back with Greg Taylor being the backup. I think the proviso is, and that's the problem, if we sign Aaron Hickey, it's going to be a widespread assumption that he's the left-back. Now, I think it's unlikely that we sign Aaron Hickey and then another left-back, and that's the only issue I've got with the deal. See, again, I haven't been blown away with him. I'm one of the people that said that about him. I find it strange that he moved to left-back because he's you know he's right-footed, and, and as far as I'm concerned, that. I remember him playing right back for Hearts and I always thought that's what he was. I might be wrong. I digress. The point being is, I don't think we're going to sign two left-backs. So if we sign, if we do sign one and it's Aaron Hickey, that's not for me. I would much rather we got a left-back who's better than Taylor and allows Taylor to kind of develop at his own pace and compete with him rather than bringing in Hickey because I can't see any way where we bring in two. And that's, that's the only issue I've got with it. If we did and he was just there to develop, fine, it's fairly risk-free. Mate, we've got a war chest. What are you worrying about? Just dig into the war chest, get get a couple of left-backs, get a wee right-back in there while you're at it, darling. Treat yourself, all right? He's got you there, Samani. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I actually do agree with you. I'd be worried that if they sign a player of Aaron Hickey's profile, not necessarily in terms of ability, but in terms of a, a young player that's been linked with all these clubs that maybe you've you've got the signature because there's some kind of guarantee that he's got to be involved in plans or that you know, as you say, you've got a, an exciting developing prospect which would hinder you from going and buying a, a very expensive or not even expensive, just a very effective first team left left back because then what do you do with Taylor? Um, so that's a wee bit worrying. But if, if the price is right and if it is a development thing, then I think that that's good business because you could end up with, you know, another sort of tyranny on your hands or someone like that who's who you're going to get a number of good years from as they develop and then sell them for big money so it's the sort of player Celtic probably should be signing but I would be worried about the knock-on effect it would have on what other business is done in that position Celtic pundit Stuart Duggan says that Alan Hickey is the new Kieran Tierney fantastic um, <laughs> Shane, Shane Duffy and his brother were a bit bit shady really for all that the Instagram stuff um, you know everybody's I think everybody really wants Shane Duffy. Everybody would be really excited if he signed. Christian tried to do a gal and go the other way and say, ah, he's not actually very good and the stats show that he's, you know, he's pretty shit. Um, I'd still be absolutely buzzing if Shane Duffy came and I, I think he's exactly what we need. The likelihood, I mean, we've talked about him before, but 
what do we think? Can we see that happening or or not? Is I'd it, love it. it. I'd love it to happen, Louis. I, I really would like to sign him just because of the type of player he is. Just alongside what we what we already have could be really good, especially if we are going to move to a back three. What's a wee bit worrying is that we're not being linked with any other centre halves that, that I'm aware of. So if they're hedging their bets on him and you know it's such his choices between us maybe West Ham or whoever else from the, the, the Premiership are in for him. I wouldn't fancy our chances. I guess we're just kind of hoping that he's he's going with uh, going with his heart rather than his head. Um, yeah, I, I mean, have any you three heard of any other centre-halves that we're being linked with? Because I haven't. No, but my, my theory is that, that Shane Duffy, this whole thing is going to rumble for a wee bit longer and then it's going to... Um, Turn out that he's just been this big red herring. Not necessarily. I mean, Celtic have probably been led a merry dance, and he, him, and his brother are having a good laugh. But I think money's ultimately going to talk in that sort of situation. And I would not be surprised if Celtic just signed some random Eastern European big centre half from nowhere. Like, who the fuck was that? Where's the guy that from? There's a guy. He's a free agent, I think. Um, big tall guy. Um, big tall. Uh, I think he's Croatian. Uh, shaved head. Um, cracking big defender. Sounds um, great. Sign him up. Yozo, Yozo something, I think his name oh. is. Oh, fuck. Yozo something, Simunovic, something like that. Um, I think we should take a they've look at him. They've rebranded him, you fool. <laughs> Podcast host Louis McCaffrey says, sign up, Jozo Simunovic. <laughs> <laughs> He's been quoted as that. I, uh, uh, sorry, uh, with Duffy, um, uh, I didn't think we were going to get it over the line. It just seemed as if it was a wee stretch in terms of, the money he could um, command elsewhere. And then Rod, Rod came out and oh. held up that sign like the ultimate Selic da on Twitter. And I thought, this is probably going to happen. In fact, it's probably not going to happen now he's done that. I mean, Rod Stewart must have plenty of time in his hands because ugh, I, I'm, I'm just that really quite upset. Disgusted. I, I, I mean, I see, I need to use your language, Lou. Disgusted. What is that? You've just put him off. He had the Celtic chain on and all that as well. I mean, he looks like a bit of a, <laughs> you know, I was going to say he's virgin on something there, but I don't want to say the name because, you know, I may upset people. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. Aye. That's, that's um, aye. Now then, now then. Um, so we've been linked with two two wingers, this the 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 young boy Lang from uh, Ajax and Raquel May at Atletico Madrid. Um, do we need a winger? I mean, I, I, I think we do. I, I think we do need a winger. I, I think it's encouraging to see he's linked with some, finally. I mean, we listened to Neil Lennon's audio earlier on and he's, he's not giving anything away. Um, he'd said how before how he wanted, what was it, he was targeting a centre-half and a striker, you know, but then were linked with the likes of Arne Hickey and Turnbull and a winger, all this sort of thing. Um, you know, do you think it's as much of a priority and, and can you see it happening or do we, you know, is, is the war chest maybe not as big as that? I think Celtic are going to sign some winger on loan, like a young, exciting winger that <clears throat> maybe fits the profile of young, young Raquel, as you call him. Uh, not necessarily him, but someone like that um, because I think you've got Mikey Johnson they said he was about five weeks away or six weeks away after his surgery and it would be great if he can stay fit and, and, and give you an alternative to Elianese. Um but you don't really have that option on the right and I think that we would all kind of admit, uh, be in agreement that Christie's not really it and you're not going to get the best out of Christie there 
Um, and it's going to lead to the team being a wee bit unba- imbalanced, sorry. So I think that they do need someone to offer uh, a bit of competition to Forest or an alternative um, if if they are coming up against a stubborn team. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that comes in, but I don't think it's a priority in terms of the urgency that we require a left-back or a centre-half if you're wanting to play 3-5-2. We've got Karamoko as well, but I don't think he's really going to get a chance until later in the season, or maybe some cup games or something like that. So for me, yeah, a winger that can play on the right is... It would be sort of like next next tier down priority, um, and I, I don't know much about these two, but the fact that uh, young Raquel May played against Rangers and played really well makes me want to sign him over the other guy. Um, even though I think Noah Lang, there's more fun to be had with his name. Like there's definitely more pun material in there, but uh, uh, Raquel May would be delicious. Well, let's uh, let's move it along. Um, <laughs> right themselves. That's good for you. Twenty-one pounds for that. Twenty-one pounds. Thank you. Um, tomorrow night we are um, we're playing in Europe. We are playing. Fer- How do you say? Finish, it, finish Varos. Aye, that one. It just looks weird. I can't. Quite a fun word it. to say. Aye. Um, you know, it's again. It's another game. Uh, another qualifier where it's a, a, a single. Um, single leg, single game to try and get through. Spoke a bit about the importance of it in terms of maybe retaining the likes of Eddie and, and things like that. Um, I don't think any of us, and I, I hope I've not insulted anybody here, but I don't think any of us have a great deal of knowledge on them or have watched them much. Um, what are your expectations from our point of view? Um, obviously, that the, the game last week, um, as we spoke about, uh, on last week's show was a bit of a you know uh, turned into a bit of a training exercise. It was a massive, massive difference in, in the quality of the teams. I think it's safe to say we can expect a, a you know a step up in quality uh, and, and a lot more of a challenge. What what are your expectations from us though? What would you like to see in terms of starting eleven and information first off? What what I would like to see and what I think is going to happen are two different things. Um, I think he's going to play... I think he's going to drop in Cham. I think he'll bring Christie back into the middle and I think he'll start Forrest. I do also think that Ayer's going to be in the bench and it's going to be uh, a back four of Taylor, Julian, Beaton and Frimpong. Although Parmy thinks he might play Elhamid as well. Just I think he might rotate Elhamid and Frimpong. I don't know, just a, just a hunch for these games. Um, I'm expecting a a very difficult, almost frustrating and nervy game. Um, I do always tend to be pessimistic with these kind of matches just because like, I just keep thinking about Cluj and Copenhagen, the home games from last season, where we should have just we should have been out of sight and it just went very, very badly wrong. And unfortunately, I'm a wee bit nervy about tomorrow night. So I, I think it will be a 4-2-3-1 formation from the start. Um, and I think Cham will be back in the bench. I mean, they've got a, a European pedigree, Ferenc Faros, even if Louis Canny pronounced them. Um, you know, they're a Hungarian side that most people know of. Um, and it's one of these ties, it's one of these leagues that are almost on par with, with Scotland, like Sweden or, you know, you would say Slovenia or Norway, you know. You know that the, the better teams in these leagues are are going to certainly be better than most of the opponents that we're going to play in Scotland. Um, so... There's always a worry about that. I think, 
just on that that Paul had mentioned. See, if he does start Beaton, that's a big worry for me. Now, Beaton didn't do anything particularly wrong on Saturday. But when Ayer came on later in the game, Ayer brings the ball forward better than him, despite his deficiencies. I don't think Beaton's a good defender when he's under pressure. He's a home against Hamilton defender when he can stroll out with the ball and play it. So if that happens, and, and, and like you, Paul, I think it might be the case, that's a big worry for me. I'd, I'd, I'm not confident we beat on playing at centre-half in Europe whatsoever. I think, as well, Frimpong might come out for El Hamed. And, in fact, I agree with you in terms of what he might do with Christie and, and Forrest. Um, I don't think he's going to switch to a three at the back. I think he's going to play with a four. Um so that my my worry would be that Beaton does play there. That would be my main worry if that was the case, um, because to be perfectly honest, I don't think he's uh, he's good enough to play in Europe at that level. I think that's worrying not on, not only from the perspective of you know what what we have on on our plates tomorrow night, but just again what it says about the IR situation or what's going on there. Um, <clears throat> wouldn't really like to see that. I, I agree that I think it'll be a four two three one. I don't think that this is the sort of game that you can be messing about and trying to play, you know, Forrest as a left wing back or Elianus as a, a wing back or, or Taylor in there or just anything even remotely unfamiliar. I think that they have to go with a really strong team. I think they have to go with something that they're really used to. And what I want to see, coming back to the question, I don't know a huge amount about this team, but um, I want to see us come with the same sort of intensity as they did last week uh, where... It looked like that Celtic team, yeah, obviously there was a gulf in, in ability, but that was because we made it really evident there was a gulf in ability because they, they, they played at a really high tempo. They played really well and they didn't drop that. They didn't they didn't allow it, any kind of banana skins or any anyone to get back into the game in the way that you know Cluj did or Copenhagen did. And I think that that will be drilled into them. I think they realise that these one-off games can can be very difficult if you don't go and try and put them to bed early. So I would expect us to start fast and, and with an intensity. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I think um, I think he will go with tried and tested and it'll be a very kind of typical formation and, and starting lineup. Um, I think the Frimpong Elhamid one will be interesting. I, I agree with Paul. I think you'll see a lot more rotation of them too um, this season because I think he really rates Elhamid. And while he's fit, I think he brings. I think he brings a hell of a lot to the team in terms of a, a, maybe a bit more solidity. I think obviously Frimpong is, is, you know, he's so good going forward, and and it, sometimes we kind of have an over reliance on him um, to make things happen um, on that right side, especially if if James Forrest maybe isn't playing to his best. Um, but I think particularly in a European tie, when you maybe. You know, you need that solidity at the back and someone who can kind of defend and is maybe a wee bit more, um, you know, mindful of their position and a, you know, a wee bit more rigid where they are. Then I think Elhamid can do a really good job there. Um, my only worry is that we, you know, if if the game isn't going well, that suddenly it's chopping and changing, changing formation halfway through the game again and, and things like that. That's that's my only worry. I think it, I would probably, although I really want us to play 3-5-2, I probably would be a bit nervous if I saw 3-5-2 and, and it suddenly players are playing a position that they've maybe not got used to yet for such a big game. But I don't want to see us 
making massive wholesale changes in a, in a kind of act of desperation if the game's not going very well because the whole nature of it being one-legged really does change things, I think. I mean, we could be sitting here next week saying we're out of the Champions League, which, you know, Hopefully we won't, but it's a scary, I also kind of think it's a scary prospect. I think as we go through each round, hopefully, it's going to get even more nerve-wracking these games, um, I would imagine. We, on the the Cynic, um, on the Cynic Patreon, we're going to have a, a preview and a opposition uh, scouting podcast so they they're both going to be out tomorrow um before the game so so check them out if you're uh, a patreon subscriber um we'll obviously we'll we'll, we'll kind of leave it there in terms of the game tomorrow and, and we'll, we'll speak a wee bit more about it and and obviously the, the outcome whether we're progressing or not uh in next week's show at the weekend we are playing motherwell uh, at home in the league um on sunday Motherwell have had a pretty indifferent start, well, a pretty poor start, to be fair, in, in the season so far. Um, they've not kind of reached the heights that they did last season. Um, they currently find themselves uh, in 10th position um, and they've not even they've not even had a win yet. Um, they lost the game against Hamilton in the derby, um, a game which I think, to be fair, they mostly controlled, especially in the first half, um, but just weren't clinical enough. Now, obviously, David Turnbull was playing in that game, and, and David Turnbull could, by Sunday, be a Celtic player. I don't think we would be that snidey and, and put him in against Motherwell, but you never know. Um, but, you know, you, I think you have to, because of how they played last season, you have to show them respect. You have to assume that you're going to be in for a difficult game at home. But, you know, do we need to go into the game on Sunday and, and put down a bit of a marker? Because the performances haven't been as maybe quite what we would want them to be. Is, is this a chance to, you know, maybe put the performance or, or give the performance more weight? Do we really need to see something on Sunday? You need to give them respect because they'll kick us up and down the park like they always do. And I mean, there's no doubt about that. When you play Motherwell, you're in for a physical encounter. Whether or not they play well is, is a different matter, but they will be physical against us, so we need to watch out for that. Hopefully they're going to be a bit tired because they're playing in the Europa League qualifier on Thursday. I think Gal's put in the chat there, it's Clintoran that they're playing. So that's the reason it was moved to Sunday. So the fact is, if they're playing on the Thursday... Um, maybe that's um, they might be hopefully still a wee bit leggy on the Sunday and we can take advantage of that but I would like us to go out there and put a few goals past them it's at Celtic Park obviously there's no fans going to be there oh, no, in fact, there's, there's going to be well there might there's going to be a few isn't there I think that I saw something today that there could be between 700 to maybe 1400 fans it's something in that range possibly but I don't know when that's confirmed I don't know when they actually make the official decision on that don't know either, but obviously 700 fans, what a racket they're going to make. <laughs> all the boys on to a 5-0 victory. But in, point stands, it's it, it's a home game. You know, there'll be a couple of fans there. But I would tend to agree with you. I, I want us to rattle a few goals past them because I think we need to I think we need to move past. I know we did that against Hamilton in the first day of the season. But I think we need to move past this nervy stage, if you will. So a win tomorrow and a win on Sunday would set us up very nicely for Shane Duffy on Monday. It's an opportunity for for players that are playing below their ability 
you know, we've mentioned a lot of them, but fuck it, let's do it again. You know, Christy, Elliot Nussi, Stuart. Um, Thanks, mate. Thanks. Cham, even, even French Eddie. If we can go out and bat our mother, well, I think that will kind of make a lot of tongues stop wagging and we can just kind of concentrate on... We're just we're all just so bloody nervy because of what's at stake this season. Um, I, I'm I'm still bricking it. Every single game, I'm bricking it. And I know it's Motherwell at home and we're probably going to win. It's probably going to be fine, but I just always have this, like, sense of disaster. <laughs> I can't yeah, try, really... try and enjoy yourself, mate. <laughs> in a row. Yeah. Try and have a laugh. I love that, Stuart. That's one of my favourite. Uh, it's, 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 it's Barry Gallagher's. I've just been had it attributed to me, so I'm going to run that into the ground while I run Elliot into the ground as well. That, those were my two jokes for the next wee while. Um, I'm the same. I, I think that it's important to go and lay a marker down. I'm not so worried about games at Celtic Park, though. I think that something like that. You're right when they say that they offer a physical challenge, but if you had to play someone at the weekend, I would want to play a team that's played in Europe on Thursday that's been struggling for league form and that we're about to buy their best player. So it's pretty much a perfect situation for us. And I would hope that that we would have more, way more than enough for them as we have done in the past. Um, but if they can do it by a few goals, then that would be excellent. Um, just uh, quickly before we, we've only got a few minutes left, I think um, the, the league table as it stands just now... Rangers are top with Hibs, uh, both on 13 points. Um, we are currently in fourth position, um, but obviously we've got the two games in hand. Um, Aberdeen have came on to a wee bit of form. They've they've won the last two games. So, um, you know, after, you know, getting being defeated previously. Um, at the bottom of the table, you've got uh, Livingston, Kilmarnock and, and Motherwell all on two points. Um the Rangers have obviously there's been a bit of news with them um, that Morelos is obviously he's not even getting picked for squads now didn't get picked for a squad at the weekend he's getting coming off planes steaming he's crashing his car into other players motors at the training ground he's he's off the rails apparently he's going to go um, and then there's this this rumour about uh, Ryan Kent and apparently Leeds wanting him. Apparently they've they've already had a bid rejected. They're possibly going to come back in and offer fourteen million for him. Hypothetically, if Rangers lost Morelos and they lost Kent, do you think that is good news for us in terms of the title race, or would you be more concerned about them bringing in better quality players? Because let's face it, the both of them are pretty shit. I don't think I'd be worried about them bringing in better players and I think that you can lose a lot of your time trying to get wrapped up in their finances and what's money going in and where and where's it coming from like it's, it's irrelevant ultimately um, I think it would be funny if they lost Kent not because I rate Kent but I just think it would be a really destabilising thing for them to go through where they they've their fan base has a lot invested in him you know from punching Scott Brown to scoring against us uh he just buzzes around. He doesn't do a tremendous amount, I don't think, but he's one of their better players. So it's not a bad thing for us if he goes. And there's no guarantee with the amount of duds that they've brought in over the years that they're going to replace him with anyone better or more effective than he's been against us. Um, <clears throat> so I think that'd be quite funny. And especially that he's only really been there for a season as, a, as like a fully signed player to just immediately be like, see ya, I'm off. <laughs> I think would be quite funny. Um, but I'm not tremendously concerned about it. Uh, I think that when you watch them, play they still have the same deficiencies that they had last season 
and losing a couple of players until such times as they have someone that's going to step up and fulfil either the goals that Morello's brought or whatever the fuck it is that Kent does, the shite haircuts, then I'm not worried. I think you hit the nail on the head about Kent. I mean, they put they bought him last season for what, supposedly £7 million. Assuming he's on the credit card, if they sell him to um, Leeds, I believe Liverpool have got a 20% sell-on fee. So essentially they're paying off what they owe on him. Uh, Liverpool are going to get a cut of that transfer fee as well. So they would sell Kent, they would make a few quid, but not very much. Now, again, I'm not a huge fan of him, but certainly he's one of the better players in, in their squad. I think overall, though, moving on to Morelis, they've messed that up, that whole situation. Now, Morelos, you know, I've been on the podcast and said I've always thought Morelos was a focal point for them in terms of the way the system was set up. I thought I think he's got good movement. I don't think he's like a deadly finisher. Obviously, he gets goals. Um, I certainly think he could play in the Premier League at some level, you know. But they've been holding out for huge amounts of money for the guy. Probably promised him he's going to get his move, but you know he's he's um, his disciplinary issues have certainly probably affected the way that some clubs look at him. So now they're in a position whereby I think they've been ready to sell him. They haven't got the offers they thought they would, and now he's out squads. So if somebody does come in and buy him, he ain't talking north of twenty million for the guy. They're going to be talking less than that. I don't know. Wouldn't want to speculate exactly how much. An undisclosed fee, I would imagine. It will be very much undisclosed. Well, the the Leo bid said to be eighteen million. So, uh, well, you know, uh, who knows? It Leo bid maybe. You know, the fact is he's still here. But see if somebody's bidding for him now. Now, what are they going to do? Are they going to hold out an asset who obviously looks as if he might not play for them again? Or are they going to just try and take what they can get for him? I don't think they've handled that situation well. He's also clearly unfit. Like, So whoever signs him, he's going to take weeks and weeks and weeks before he's either going to apply himself or maybe it shows that he doesn't actually have the professionalism and maybe he's not the option worth looking for. And in the interim, they've signed two strikers. So they're presuming that he's going out the door. He's not gone anywhere. And now they've got this... You've just got them tanning people's motors instead, like instead of instead of actually contributing. It's proper harking back to like old school footballers. That's one thing I do like about it. You know, feel like, feels like it's the seventies again. Scandal. It's it's lovely. Just keep it away from us. You know, Hopefully. see that litany of uh, charges that we laid at Morelos's door. Are we not going to say allegedly about them? Are they? Are they, are they no, all, they're all facts. They're all true and factual. Factual. He's, he's confirmed unfit, so I, I feel like my my powder's dry. Absolutely. Um, listen, we're going to leave it there. Um, remember, the, the preview podcast is out uh, for the game tomorrow night, is out tomorrow morning on the Patreon, as long uh, as well as a look at our opposition um, from people in the know. And yeah, we'll be back next week to talk over the, the Motherwell game and hopefully either the next European game coming up or we will be breaking our hearts because we'll be papped out of the Champions League. We'll see what one it is. And, and obviously we'll have signed 45 billion players by then. If we've been papped out of the Champions League, this podcast will quite literally be on fire because that is a fucking disaster. We'll get you back on, Stuart, don't worry. Thanks. Um, Stuart Duggan, it's been fantastic. Pleasure as always, mate. Thank you for having me. Paul Callan, um, he pays obscene amounts of money for Tory haircuts, but he's some guy. You listen, like I think we all can see it's uh, it's money well spent. As it really is, um, and I, the biscuit king himself. Cheers, Louis. Always a pleasure.
being on the podcast of the proletariat. Thank you. <laughs> I still can't say that word. Uh, I've been Louis McCaffrey. This has been the Cynic Weekly, and we will speak to you down the road. Mm-hmm.